Esther chapter 4 and verse uh, 14. And when you have it, you can say amen. All right, it's on the screen. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Turn to your neighbors, say, if I perish, I perish. I love that, that answer there, that remark. It really uh, gives you the mentality that Esther had going into where she was going into. And I thank the Lord for being with us here tonight. Why don't you shake someone's hand? We've already prayed. So why don't you shake someone's hand and tell them you love them. And after that, you may be seated. I want to talk to you for a brief moment on this topic. The time is now. Turn to your neighbor and say, the time is now. The time is now. Uh, I, I realize that it has been preached to you probably before if you've ever heard, you know, a message in your life. And you have throughout this past year, you have had evangelists come, you know, and, and I'm sure been blessed by the great men of God that have come and ministered behind the pulpit and, and ministered in the altar and, and have challenged you to do something for God you are here under the great leadership of a man of God that I'm sure challenges you on a weekly basis to do something great for God, to go deeper, to do greater things you've ever done before. I mean, it really is apostolic to, to, to have that mentality to go beyond what you've ever done before. I believe that where we're at right now is the time. I believe that where we are at are the last days. I believe this is the final hour. I believe that this is the time, if you're ever going to do something for God, to do it now. I believe that in this time, I mean, I grew up going to camps. I grew up in services. I grew up going to, to meetings, you know, and conferences and crying at the altar and man, having great experiences. And I would get up and not know necessarily what to do with all that I've received. And so I'm here tonight on this last night of this revival to simply challenge and to charge you that the time is now, that whatever you have received, whatever you have heard, whatever it is that has been imparted to you, whatever it is you've understood and believed and taken and grown with, now is the time to begin to practice what you have heard. Esther was in a time where uh, her people, the Jewish people, were going to be wiped out. Their lives were at risk. Their complete identity within that province and kingdom were going to be wiped out because of a man uh, named Haman. And, and he was coming against the people of God. And this man uh, despised the people of God. And she found herself as a young person in a place that she was not prepared for. 
want you to think about this for a moment. She was brought into the kingdom outside of a kingly, she wasn't within a kingly home. She didn't grow up in this. She didn't know all about it, know the ins and outs. The previous queen had really upset the king at that time. And so he did away with her as the king would want to do. And he did away with her and now said, no, I need a different queen to come. And so he uh, went ahead and said, bring me, you know, the best of every tribe, the best of every people. And Esther happened to make the cut and she became the queen. But even then it was not given to the queen to be able or anybody to be able to walk into the king's chambers unannounced or uninvited. That wasn't a thing. And they would actually be killed as the result or the response of them not being invited, but going in at their own will. Now her life and the life of her entire nation and her people, her heritage is at risk. And she finds herself in a place that maybe she didn't dream about. Maybe it wasn't a vision she had. Maybe it wasn't what she had been preparing for. But in that moment, even politically, she was in a place that didn't align with where she had been prepped for. And so now Mordecai, her uncle, says, listen, you have to stand in the gap on our behalf or else we're going to die. So she stands before the people that are sending this message. She says, look, go. Go tell Mordecai, all right, that's fine. I will stand in the gap. And I'm paraphrasing. I will go ahead and go into the king's chambers uninvited. And if I die, I die. If that's the outcome of this, then all right. But I'm going to give it every chance. I'm going to give it everything that I've got. I'm going to take all of my chances because I realize, as Mordecai has said, maybe I have been sent to the kingdom for such a time as this. And if you think about where Esther was, she was not equipped. She didn't have the verbiage and, and maybe the right way of walking and talking that the others that lived and grew up in the kingdom had about them. She didn't know anything or much about this at that time. She had just through the favor of God been given an opportunity to be the queen of that province. And now she had at her own life's, her own, uh, life's risk that she was going to walk into the king's chambers uh, and try somehow to, to get the king to have favor upon her and hope that the king wouldn't kill her and eventually would hear her request and be able to change the decree that was already made. What I'm trying to tell somebody today is you may not have, have been, uh, you know, have prayed this into existence where you are right now, you know, politically where the church is at and where the world is at. I, I doubt any church in their right mind that's walking with God prayed that we would be in the place that we are politically within America. I doubt that any apostolic believer would have ever prayed, God, would you put us uh, in the place where we are, where churches are being persecuted here in America for preaching the gospel. In California, not too long ago, they begin to say, well, if you preach or if you sing, you know, behind the pulpit, you're not allowed to sing anymore because of the spit particles uh, and dust that get in the air. Completely ridiculous, uh, the rules that were being made up. And so I don't think any apostolic person would have prayed this into existence. And we may feel unequipped.
equipped for where we're at politically, but I recognize uh, that now is the time uh, that maybe it wasn't you that prayed you into this place, uh, but God has strategically ordained you for where you are right now. You might say, man, I haven't prayed like I want to pray. I haven't fasted like I want to fast. I haven't believed like I'd like to believe, but I'm here to let you know as unequipped as you may feel, as insignificant as you may feel, God has ordained you. God has anointed you. God has appointed you. God has given you faith to walk in greater dimensions. God has given you authority to walk in authority you've never walked in before. God has calling somebody now to let you know now is the time. If you were ever going to be apostolic, now is that time. If you were ever going to change the world, now is that time. Would you clap your hands and would you magnify the name of the Lord? Past mistakes won't get in the way. Insecurities the enemy would like to use, I'm telling you, are not allowed to get in the way. You may feel like, well, I'm not equipped and I'm insignificant. And my past, even just yesterday, I didn't accomplish all the spiritual goals I'd like to accomplish. Esther was in the middle of that predicament. But she recognized, if I don't go through with this, if I don't walk into the king's chambers, if I don't do something, then it's not, our lives are literally going to no longer be in existence. And I'm here to let somebody know as the people of God, I believe God is going to come. I believe the Lord is going to come with a trumpet in the clouds. We know that we preach it and believe it. But I also want you to understand that we are not waiting on God, but rather God is waiting on the church to be the church. In the book of Acts at the early church, they begin to prophesy when the Holy Ghost came upon them. Uh, they would raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out uh, every devil that came across. Uh, and it wasn't all planned. It was just in the moment uh, because they recognized, man, Jesus is coming uh, in the clouds and we've got to get everybody ready. We've got to tell every person, uh, and I'm here to echo that, uh, that now is the time for the kingdom of God to come. It doesn't matter where you're at. doesn't matter how you feel. You might not have uh, the years to, to go into the depths of the spirit that you'd like to go to. And I preached to you all last night, and I believe uh, that we should strive and go deeper and further. I'm not coming against that at all or by any means, but I'm letting you know that where we are at in this particular hour is not the time where we're like, man, well, let me go ahead and prepare for this and prepare for that and prepare for all of this. We don't have that kind of time anymore. We don't have the time to, to think, well, in, in, in 10 years, I'm going to be at this place. And when I get there, then I'll be able to walk with great authority and great faith and heal the sick and raise the dead. And, and we, we don't have that type of, of time anymore. The book of Daniel chapter three, the Bible says that the three Hebrew boys are, are literally getting ready to face persecution. And they, the, the king tells them, look, if you don't bow, I'm, I'm going to kill every one of you. I'm going to throw you all in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they stand there before the king, I love 
their response to the king because he said, now we're going to turn the fire up. If you all don't bow, we'll give you one more chance. And, and if you don't bow at the sound of the trumpet and the, and, the, and the horn and this and all these other instruments, if you don't bow to this idol that's been established, then we're going to throw you into the fire. And they look at the king. They say, you know what, king? We're, we're not even careful to answer you. We're, we're, I mean, we've already made up our mind that we're going to serve God. That's not even a, a thought or a question within our mind. We, we realize that, that our lives are at risk, but our lives are not worth uh, us denouncing our love for God or our walk with God. And so they're there before the fire. And as they're there before the fire, you got to think, these guys didn't pray themselves into that moment. They didn't hope, man, I hope one day the fire gets churned up ten times or seven times, whatever it was. Man, I hope that the king, you know, gets ready to throw us in. I mean, they, they didn't pray those types of prayers. They didn't want to be in that predicament. These were young men from the ages, someone say, to about 17 or 20 years old at the time. Young men that decided to serve God. And in that predicament, uh, they realized we are not going to bow to the voices of the enemy. We are not going to give in to the voices of the enemy. We are going to stand because we believe the God that we serve can deliver us uh, from the fire. And so you got to recognize uh, that where we're at today, the enemy, if he can't get you with your past mistakes and your insecurities uh, and your own self, he'll try to begin to pump fear into your life. He'll try to begin to pump all kind of doubt into your mind uh, that when you go out and tell somebody about the gospel or when you go out and lay hands on somebody, well, what if it doesn't happen? And what if they don't get up and what if they don't get healed and what if the blind still can't see and what if the deaf still can't hear after you pray and, and the enemy will begin to speak into your life but I want you to understand here today these three Hebrew boys though they had not prayed themselves into that place they recognized this was not the time to give up this was not the time to turn back this was not the time to say well I guess we really don't got it no this was a time for them to press forward and say look if we perish we perish, but I'm going to go down with a fight. I'm going to go down with an apostolic Holy Ghost fight. And I wonder if there's anybody in this house that says, man, I'm going to go down with a fight. I'm going to believe this gospel like nobody's ever believed it. I'm going to pray like nobody's ever prayed it. I'm going to fast like nobody's ever fasted. I'm going to believe for the dead to be raised and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk because Jesus said it. The believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. Why don't you clap your hands and magnify the Lord? Because now is the time to see the apostolic church be the apostolic church. Now is the time to walk before the walls of Jericho. And when you begin to speak the word, all of a sudden they've got to fall. Because we are the people of God. Somebody clap your hands one more time and magnify the Lord. Don't be afraid of the voices of the enemy. I'm sure Daniel, I'm sure the three Hebrew boys were afraid or could have been, had the opportunity to be afraid of the voice of the enemy. But you understand that the Bible lets us know as believers that Jesus told the disciples, hey, I've already given you authority, power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He had given them that authority to go and preach the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And I want to steer us to this point here, and this is really what I want to talk to you all about, and that is the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it now is time for us to be apostolic. The signs of them being apostolic absolutely was doctrine, no doubt about that. But it also was a supernatural moving of the power of Almighty God. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells them, the Bible says that Jesus gave them power to his disciples. When he called them, he also gave them something. I realize there's other religions, there's other beliefs in the world, there's other faiths. I recognize that. The Islamic belief, they've got their book and called the Quran, and they, they deem it a holy book, and they, they've got their religion. They, they, they believe and they follow religiously. I'll walk through the airport, and I have seen it many times. In the middle of the busy airport, someone literally kneeled down right there on the side as they're praying to Allah, some, uh, someone that believes in this uh, Islamic faith. And there's others, Buddhist enlightenment, that, that follow those ideas, others that follow Hinduism, and, and I mean Jainism and Sikhism and all the isms and all the other religions within in the world and they believe uh, these books dogmatically they believe their their scriptures they would call holy their their priests they would call holy their religion they would believe it with all their heart there are different people throughout the world that believe these different religions and they preach them just with as much a, a fervor if you will as we may preach the gospel of Jesus Christ but i want to tell you the difference uh, between when they preach their gospel whatever their message is uh, and we preach the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, when they begin to preach in the name of Muhammad, uh, there is nothing that takes place in the supernatural. The blind don't see and the dead can't be raised uh, in the name of Muhammad. I ask the Lord why? Well, there's other religions in the world. What makes us distinct? Uh, absolutely our doctrine. I recognize that. But a visible proof uh, of the power of the kingdom of heaven uh, is that we can see uh, when they preach their name, uh, whatever name that may be, there's nothing in the supernatural supernatural that takes place. Uh, but when a believer, it doesn't even matter who you are, as long as you believe in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and are following the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, when a believer begins to preach uh, in the name that is above every name, uh, all of a sudden when you walk into the hospital room uh, and you begin to lay hands on the sick, uh, all of a sudden the sick begin to recover. Why? Because you have uh, the real thing today. And so I'm here to let somebody know that it is now time for you to lay hands on the sick that they shall recover. It's now time for you to speak the word of faith so that doubt can leave. It is now time for you to call life to where death has had its grip on for too long. It is now time for us to be apostolic as we've ever been before. Why don't you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost that God is wanting us to recognize that we don't need to wait. As a matter of fact, you don't need to wait for the November revival. Anybody with me? I know it's Wednesday night, but I know you're all with me, right? We don't need to wait for the November. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I'm sure you all go to the next level. But why wait for the November revival, December revival, to then be apostolic? I'm I'm going to challenge somebody. I'm going to challenge a lot of you, if not all of you, tonight. 
There's a difference between preaching and teaching and talking about being apostolic and going out and being apostolic. And I'm going to give you an example. I was in Hawaii. Now, my in-laws pastor there. And so I capitalize on that as much as I possibly can. And when I go, I usually try to spend like three weeks to a month. Everyone say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah for that. And it's a good thing. But when I go out there, they definitely put me to work. So it's not quite a vacation for me. So I remember going to a house. My father-in-law, a great man of God, pastors out there. And we, we walked in. And, and uh, we were all excited about some great miracles that God was doing in the church there in Hawaii. And he was in the inside of the house. I was on the outside. This lady had a beer can. She was holding, you know, just drinking, going about her daily, her daily drink, and uh, which was not coffee, by the way, all of you coffee drinkers out there. And she's sipping on her beer. And I was on the outside there with her and two other guys that were there. They had theirs as well. I was the only one without one. And, uh, you know, I began to tell them, hey, let me tell you some things that Jesus can do. And I began to tell them about some miracles. I'm giving you all a key right here, all right? Because I began to tell them. Now, they didn't run away, so I figured, well, they really want to know about the miracle. Anybody ever held somebody hostage before? Anybody ever got an Uber driver and you're like, look, I, I do this sometimes. I got eight minutes to make the gospel message in eight minutes. I can give them a miracle story and the gospel message, all right? If you can get it down to that, you've got it down pretty good. And so I begin to tell them, let me tell you about this miracle I saw Jesus do not too long ago. A lady came in Colorado, came up to the front of the church, and all of a sudden about ten young people walked over to where she was, lifted her up out of the wheelchair in the name of Jesus, and, and she was instantly healed. She wasn't only walking, but she was dancing, and she was shouting, she was jumping as God gave her strength in her legs. And, I mean, this is not church. We didn't have great singing like you all do. We didn't have, you know, the, the great pre-service prayer that you all do, right? This was just in the middle of the day at the house. I was in the garage, my father-in-law on the inside. And so I said, man, as a matter of fact, I didn't give her a card. You know, I, I don't really do the card thing. I said, but I, if you'll come to that church, I'm telling you, Jesus will heal your body. He'll, he'll touch you. If you bring somebody, they'll, 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 God will heal your body. Just bring them. Bring somebody that's sick. That was my approach to come and help them get to the church. And so I, I walked away. And, and as I was walking away, the lady said, well, I'm sick in my body, and I did what we do. All right, everybody ready for this? I said, we'll pray for you. What's your name? I'll put you on the prayer list. How many of y'all have ever done that before? Nod your head, raise your hand, say hallelujah. Put you on the prayer list. All the intercessors will get out there. We'll pray for you. What's your name? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it doesn't matter how it's spelled. I'll never see you again, right? Anybody? I grew up in church. We did that all the time. Go to Target, pass out a card. You know, you know you're not going to see them again, right? And so then all of a sudden put my hand on on the door and God said, Hey, uh, don't you remember all that stuff you've been preaching about, talking about that be apostolic and you know, the time is now and all that Holy ghost stuff. I said, man, you're right, God. So I let go of the van and I go from zero to a hundred in no time. Just how I operate and work. God works with me. And so as soon as I let go of the van door, I said, all right, well, Jesus will heal your body right now. And at that point it was all over. You know, I knew Jesus was going to do it. And and I didn't know if she was gonna, how she was going to respond to that, but she hadn't run away at this point, so I figured she was liking what I was saying. So she put the beer can down, stood up. She came out to where I was. She said, all right, what do you want me to do? And I didn't think planned this far either, you know. Like I said, it's not planned out, you know. So I was like, all right, this is my first go here. So I said, well, 
Where's the sickness in your body? She said, well, it's in my back, and I've had pain there. You say, you have pain there right now? She said, yes. I said, Jesus is going to heal that pain. You believe that? She said, yes, yes, I believe it right now. I said, all right. Once you lift up your hands, I'm going to lay hands on your head. In the middle of the day, outside of that house. And so I laid hands on her head. She lifted up her hands, and all of a sudden, we begin to worship the Lord. I commanded that pain to leave her back. And within a few short seconds, with tears coming down her eyes, she's looking around. She's doing all of this. And she said, oh, wow. She said, I don't feel any pain anymore. What, what just happened? And the Lord just healed her body. She was so healed that she looked at me and she said, would you pray that I get a million dollars? Didn't even crack a smile. It was the honest truth. And so I came back. I said, well, you'll be the second million dollar contestant, you know, of that prayer after me. I'll be the first. Then, then it'll be you. But uh, Jesus hasn't answered that one for me yet, so we'll come back. And as soon as that happened, this lady was healed. And I looked over about 15 feet away, and there was a, a Jewish lady. Didn't necessarily believe that Jesus Christ, you know, is God Almighty robed in flesh. Jewish faith didn't necessarily believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, that he resurrected right on the third day and, and has now poured out his spirit so we can all receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and one day make heaven our home. And, and she's looking on over at us as the owner of the house, this Jewish lady, and she's standing about 10, 15 feet away, and, and she says, hey, she says, I felt that from over here. That's what she said. I didn't preach. I didn't give her a Bible study. I didn't pull out my search for truth chart and point and say, here, this is how it goes. All I did was demonstrate the kingdom of heaven. And so she said, all right. She walked on over to where we were, nudged her friend out the way. And she said, all right, me next. Just like that. I said, what's the problem? She said, I've got arthritis pain in my hips and my back and in my legs. Been there for about 15 years. I said, Jesus is going to heal you right now. Do you believe that? She said, yes. She lifted up her hands. My father and, all, and I laid hands on her. And within a few short moments, just like that, with her tears coming down her eye, all of a sudden she reached out and said, hey, I don't feel any pain anymore. Jesus, just heal my body. I'm telling you, an unbeliever all of a sudden begin to believe the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the time for the power of God to be revealed unto this world is here now. Don't wait for the November revival. Don't wait for the next revival. Don't wait for the next prayer meeting. Jesus is here now. And he's willing to do the miraculous. He's willing to do whatever you believe him to do. Why don't you clap your hands and magnify the name of the Lord just for a moment. I'm telling you, he wants to do the miraculous even in this room tonight. There's no doubt about that. And some of you say, well, I've never prayed for anybody like that before. I've never gone to the hospital and, 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 and gone beyond myself and, and, and really tried that type of thing before. Can I just give you all a teaching moment just for a second? The apostles, even the apostles, the disciples of Almighty God, those that walked with Jesus, understood it was okay to make a mistake concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Is that all right? Everybody with me? I'm going to show you a Bible for that. Jesus gave them power in Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew 17. They come back to Jesus. What happened? We couldn't cast them out, Jesus. We couldn't cast the devil out. We tried. 
That's the key. They tried, but they could not cast him out. And they came back. They could have came back distraught and said, forget it. We'll never pick it up again. We'll never try it again. We'll never believe again. We'll never do that again. I was in Stockton, California in Bible college one time. And, and a pastor called. I had preached at his church a week before. And he said, bro, there is a, a member uh, of, of our church. Got a relative there in Stockton. The husband is literally on his deathbed. Been sent home to die and shriveling up with cancer in his body. When I got to the house, pastor, I remember his body was about this big. From head all the way to toe. And he was literally shrinking. The cancer was shriveling his body, his bones up. His, his tongue was black. He had, couldn't form saliva on his own. He was on his deathbed. And I grabbed two friends filled with faith. I was driving over in the car, the book of Acts open. We're quoting the scriptures, believing God can do anything. We're preaching and we're, we're speaking and we're, we're magnifying God. I, I just want to give you some understanding here. And as we walk into the house of these unbelievers, they were not church members, didn't know much about the Lord. And, and I said, I believe that Jesus is going to raise him up. I really did believe it. And I was there in that room. We began to pray. We laid hands on the man and we believed and prayed like you all pray and believe. I mean, I was shouting just like we shout. I was believing just like we believe. And I'm telling you, I'm proclaiming the name of Jesus over that man's body. I am doing everything that I know to do. And I looked to the wife and I'm going to be real transparent with everybody. I looked to the wife and I said, when he gets up out of that bed, I want you to call me because we're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ when he's more responsible responsive and understands what we're talking about full faith he would get up the next day i received a text about 5 p.m that next day and it was the wife and she said thank you jesse for coming to the house i appreciate what you all did but i want to let you know my husband passed away early this morning you can imagine my life my mind my faith being shot the enemy beginning to have an opportunity to institute doubt into my mind and institute doubt. Will I ever operate in faith again? Will I ever see a miracle? I mean, I've never seen cancer heal before, but I wanted to see it. I wanted to see God heal cancer. I wanted to see the Lord do what only the Lord can do. And, and there I am. And I remember going to prayer. God, what happened? I believed. I felt like you told me he would come back to life. What happened in that moment? I never got an answer what happened. But the answer that I did receive was this. Are you going to pray with the next person with cancer with the same amount of faith that you prayed for that man who had cancer? Are you going to believe with the next person that comes into the church or the next person at their house? Are you going to believe when you go to the hospital? Are you going to believe with that same kind of faith? And I'm here to let you know that my uncle was diagnosed with cancer a week later. He walked into the doors of the church I was preaching at and the Lord said, now speak the word of faith. As soon as I spoke the word, I could have shriveled up and said, no, I remember what happened last week. I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not, I'm going to, and it could have crippled me in that moment, but I walked out and I said, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of cancer to leave your body. I command the spirit of fear to go. And my uncle was healed. Two days later, went to the doctor and they said, there's no more cancer in his body. That was over five years ago. I'm telling you today, the time is now to lay hands on the sick, to raise the dead, to speak life. The time is now in Watertown, South Dakota. The time to be apostolic.
to cast out the devil. The time is now to heal the sick. The time is now to raise the dead. The time is now. I wish that somebody go to the hospital and begin to lay hands on everyone. I wish. Why don't you clap your hands? I feel Jesus in this house right now. Go ahead. Why don't you clap your hands one more time and shout unto God. It might not be the perfect moment. It might not be the perfect present moment. But I'm telling you the time is upon us for the miraculous to take place. Jesus. Why don't you clap your hands one more time? I feel Jesus in this house right now. Yeah, 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 that's it. Go ahead. Why don't you clap your hands and shout unto God one more time. I feel like doubt is walking out the door right now. I feel like fear has to go now. In the name of Jesus, you say, well, I'm an introvert. The Holy Ghost doesn't respect an introvert or an extrovert. It doesn't matter. The Holy Ghost is still the same. Why don't you go ahead and just begin to walk in the authority that God has already given you? Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 There's people in this room right now who've got physical pain in your body. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real high. Physical pain in your body. You can feel it right now. There's, there's quite a few people here in this room. I want you all to come on up to the front. Would you do that? If you believe Jesus is going to heal you, come on down to the front. I'm preaching, but I, I'm teaching at the same time. I'm going to give you all something practical to go and do. I don't want to leave you with an abstract idea. That you can think and ponder and hope, well, how do I step into that? You're going to begin to believe it. You're going to begin to do it. And it's all right. Please hear me. Your pastor already mentioned it. This is a safe place. And I know he stands by that. You all operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You're not afraid to do so when you step out, when you feel God do that. Now, when you're outside of this church, begin to do that. That's all right. Go to the hospital and say, you know what, I'd like to pray for you. And just a teaching moment, if you don't feel 100% comfortable, you don't have to walk in and say, the Lord said this, that, and the other. You can walk in and say, this is something that I feel in, in my spirit, that the Lord is telling me, if I am wrong, please let me know. There's no harm in that. Not a lack of faith. You're stepping out and you want to know, am I hearing the voice of God correctly? And when they respond, you know what, that was right on, or, well, I'm not too sure, maybe I'll pray about that. You go back and say, God, I'll do better. I want to I be able to hear your voice. It's all right to make that mistake. They came back and understood. Why can we not cast them out? We want to know the answer. Give us greater understanding. Let us go deeper in this realm of faith. I believe God's going to heal your body. No doubt about it. I believe that God will do it right now. I want to tell you this. This last thing, and I've got more to say, but I'm going to tell you this last thing because I feel God.
And when I was in Hawaii on one uh, occasion, actually the same occasion there, I remember uh, there was a young lady. She was born with one and a half lungs in her body. And uh, 27 years old, that half a lung completely collapsed. Wasn't working anymore there that week that we were preaching. Came back to the church the next Sunday, and when she got there, she began to just kind of worship, you know, just nonchalantly, was normally a very exuberant worshiper, would shout and dance and magnify the Lord. But in this case, she was standing right in the front where pastor was standing, and she would kind of clap just like that and just lift her hands, you know, just very timidly. And I remember, you know, after she had told us, well, my lung was, is completely collapsed, and I'm only operating on one lung, so I don't want to do too much and have to fall out and then go to the hospital and, and make a big old scene. They got to come with the ambulance and take me away. They want to do surgery on her body. And I remember the Holy Ghost got to moving. The atmosphere was set. That's an important point because this lady took off running. All of a sudden, I didn't even really get to preach. And the lady took off running, magnifying God. And two other people all of a sudden took off and started running. And, and they began to magnify the Lord. As they took off running and began worshiping God, the atmosphere in that room began to shift. Because they were establishing that this now belongs to the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God, and I'm speaking into the atmosphere. I'm worshiping. I'm speaking with my voice, worshiping with my body. And now I am demanding and declaring that this atmosphere right now belongs to the kingdom of God. And so when that began to take place, the Lord spoke to me and said, Tell this girl, Sharina, to start doing something she cannot do. And so I walked over to where she was, and I said, Do something you cannot do. And I told her in her ear and she lifted up her hands and kept speaking in tongues, acting like she didn't hear what I said. That is the honest truth. Now, I know this doesn't happen in this church, but in some churches around the world, people don't listen to the preacher. I know don't happen here. I'm, I'm in a safe place, right? I'm just messing around. It's all right to laugh in church. All right. And so I walked over and I said, I'm telling you, Sharina, if you'll do something you cannot do, God will meet you and he'll take you the rest of the way. And so she continued. Then the Lord told me, tell her to jump. I never received something like that from God. And so I was just listening to the voice of God. And I said, Sharina, jump, jump. If you'll jump, you got to remember, she'll either fall out and go to the hospital or she'll be healed. There's no plan B with Jesus. And so I said, Sharina, just jump. I believe God will heal your body. If you'll do that, just begin to do that and believe that God's going to touch you. And she continued on acting like she didn't hear what I said. Don't worry. I've said this in front of her, and she's, she's okay all right? So I'm not, I'm not going to be in trouble. And so I walked to the other side. I said, you know, forget about it. I'm not going to pray for her. And I walked over to another lady who had diabetes and was causing blurriness in her vision. We prayed in the name of Jesus. The Lord healed her body, and that lady was able to see the screen. The power of God got to move it. And all of a sudden, I looked over at... Sharina and Sharina was not only jumping but she was dancing and she was shouting and she was worshiping the name of the Lord the power of God began to flow all over that place I remember afterward I said what happened she said when you came over and telling me to do all that stuff I said man I ain't about to fall out and go to the hospital this is I'm gonna look crazy in front of everybody but when you walked away she said the Lord spoke to me and said try me taste and see that the Lord is good she said I started jumping and she said as soon 
soon as that happened, I felt the heat go down the left side of my body. And when I felt that heat, it happened all till the morning when I woke up. I went to the doctor a couple days later and they put some cameras down my body and begin to try and figure out what's going on. And she said, the doctor's looking at me and looking at the way I was born. He says, look, I don't know what in the world is going on, but you have two completely functioning lungs inside of your body. I'm telling you here today that the time for the power of God to demonstrate in your life and in this region, in this city is now and upon us. I'm not waiting for Sunday service. I'm not waiting for tomorrow. It is here now. Somebody clap your hands one more time and magnify the name that's above every name. Now, those that I've been preaching, I know you all here got a whole lot of faith. I know you all believe God's going to heal your body. I believe that. But I want you all to turn around. Would you do that? And there's people filled with faith in this room. Don't matter if you're a preacher, you're not a preacher. No matter if you're a minister, you're not a minister. I'm not worried about that. If you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you believe in the name of Jesus. If you are a believer, would you come on down to this altar? Find, link up with somebody. Link up right here with Pastor Jerry. Link up with somebody that's got pain in their body. Link up with them. And I'm going to instruct you right now on how God is going to do this all over this place. I believe it. And this is going to be just the beginning of what God wants to do in this city. I believe that because if we're going to reach this city, we're going to need every single one of you. We're going to need every single one of you in this place right now, all over this place. What we're going to do here in a moment, you're going to lay, you're going to lay hands on that person. But before you do, I want you to ask them, would you do that right now? Ask them, where is that pain? What is that sickness? What is that problem? So you can be specific <clears throat> People got pain in different parts of their body. They've told you. I want you to hear something for a moment. That that girl, Serena, after she was healed, they flew her to L.A. from Hawaii. She walked in one of the top lung specialists in the country, walked into his office, and he said, you're the one that says that Jesus healed you. We'll see. She said, no, I know he healed me. She said, He said, all right, we'll see. And so... Test went on throughout that week, and at the end of it, the result was the, the man came back and said, you know, I don't know what in the world's going on. He said, but I have been weeping over your results for over an hour. And he said, you know, I don't even know what to write on your paper to get you out of here. I, I don't know how to classify this. He says, all I know is this, girl plus lung equals Jesus. That's all I know to tell you, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost right now that somebody in this city is going to understand their need, their problem. 
plus your faith is going to equal the power of Jesus Christ. And the doctor looked at her and said, I don't understand why Jesus did this for you, Sharina. And Sharina looked at him and said, Doctor, you need to understand something. I was born with one and a half lung for 27 years. I operated and lived that way. She said, I could have lived another 27 years the same way. But Jesus did not do this for me. Jesus did this for you so that you can know about the power and the gospel. I feel the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ right now. Would you lift your hands all over this building? And I want you to lay hands on that individual in the name of Jesus. Would you do that right now and begin to proclaim by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I command every pain to go right now in Jesus' name. I command every sickness go right now with authority would you begin to proclaim it now 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 now